0: Chapter 20 of Stormy Misty's Foal. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by TR Love of Pleasant Hill, California. Stormy Misty's Foal by Marguerite Henry. Section twenty, Home at Last. After returning home from church, All of the babies hurried into old clothes and went to work in a kind of happy frenzy. Everything needed doing at once. Paul crushed oats in Grandma's coffee grinder and mixed them with bran and linseed, all ready for the hot water when Misty came home. He filled the manger with good-smelling hay. He washed the salt block. Wouldn't surprise me none if you licked it clean with your own tongue, Grandpa laughed as he went by with Nanny's kid tugging at his pants leg. In the kitchen, Maureen was sewing strips of tape on an old blanket. Every now and then, she ran to try it on Grandma to see if the ties were in the right place. If it fits you, Grandma, it'll fit Misty. Grandma made a wry face. Reckon I should be complimented, she snorted, instead of laying my ears back. Beats me, she added as she wrapped jelly sandwiches in waxed paper. There's barely a speck of meal in the house for biscuits or bread and scarce a dry thing to cover folks with. But there's all us oats and bran plenty, and a royal blanket for Miss Misty. Mrs. Misty, Maureen corrected. Grandma disappeared into her bedroom for a moment and came back with a shy smile. Here's my contribution, she said. Likely I'll have no more use for this soft baby blanket. With a couple of safety pins to fasten it under her belly, it'll be just the right size for Misty's young'un. That long ride home will be kind of drafty for a newborn. By half past noon, Grandpa and Paul and Maureen were waving goodbye to Grandma and were on their way to Pocomoke City. To their amazement, the causeway to the mainland was jammed with a long procession of cars coming from Maryland, Delaware, and even Washington, D.C. Why in tarnation they comin' to Chincoteague today? Paul asked, opening up the lunchbox. I'll tune ye if I catch ye sayin' tarnation again, Grandpa scolded. Then he caggled in laughter. Tain't fittin'. Except for an old fellow like me. But why are they? Maureen wanted to know. Folks is funny, Grandpa mused. Some just naturally likes to waller in woe like pigs in a pen. Sure as shootin' they're comin' to gawp at the wreckage, and to take pictures o' the boats in the street, and the soggy beddin' and things dryin' in the sun. Curiosity folks, I calls em. A station wagon with a Maryland license plate flagged them down. Brakes screeched for a mile as cars behind honked in a mad chorus. A young man with a shock of red hair called out, How do we get to the B.B. Ranch? We want to see Misty's Colt." Grandpa stopped the truck and guffawed. News out already? he asked in amazement. Yes, sir. Network had it on the radio, and my kids gave me no peace. Well, what do you know? Sorry, young feller, but you passed plum by her. She's over to Pocomoke City to Doc Finney's house. Grandpa drove on, chuckling. See, Maureen said, not everybody comes to look at trouble. You're right, honey. Lucky thing your grandma stayed to home. She would have flew into the air hearing me talk like that. When they reached Dr. Finney's place, the doctor, who had been watching from the house, came to meet them. With a welcoming smile, he unlocked the gate and motioned Grandpa to drive in and park alongside the corral. Then, without a word, he led the way. In absolute silence, the three Beebees walked one after the other Indian file behind him. They moved across the paddock as if it were hallowed ground. Still in silence, they eased up to the barn. And then, after almost a year of waiting, the moment had come. Unconsciously, Grandpa took off his hat and tucked it under his arm. Paul and Maureen stood on tiptoe, peering in without breathing. They were utterly still, not wanting the scene to change. There, at the far end of the stall, stood Misty. She eyed them dispassionately, as if they belonged to another world and another time. Like a bird brooding a chick, she was hovering over a wise little, fuzzy little, scraggly little foal. For a moment, the tiny thing took fright and leaned, quivering against her mother, who made soft, whuffing sounds. Then comforted, she nosed her way to Misty's teats and began nursing. "'Well, I never,' Grandpa sighed in deep contentment. "'Them sucky-smacky sounds is purtier and a whole flock of meadowlarks.'" Maureen brushed away a tear. "'How could a creature be so young and breakable-looking and yet so spunky?' "'Why, I feel like I'm its grandma, she whispered shyly. And hasn't it got the longest eye winkers and the curliest tail you most ever saw? Paul whispered, too. Look at the strange marking on her forehead. It's in the shape of a new sickle moon. I know, he exulted. That's because she was born in the time of the new moon. Grandpa stared. She's the onlyest colt I ever saw with a markin' like that. Yes, Dr. Finney said, there's nothing like her on the eastern shore. Likely not in all the world, Paul said. After the colt had drunk her fill, Misty came to the door and nickered happily, sniffing Paul and Maureen by turns. She's inviting us in, Paul said. Slowly, quietly, not to startle the little one, The BBs went into the stall, and the gentlest of hands lifted her forelock that was only beginning to be a forelock. Here's a girl's got a head on her, Grandpa approved. There's enough Arabian in her to make that purty head. And ain't she marked up nice? Not a regular map on her shoulders, like her mommy, but she's got her four white stockings. And her color is sorrel, like wings, Maureen said. Dr. Finney looked at his watch, thinking of the calls still to be made. Grandpa followed his glance. If ye will excuse us, he said. We got a hyper alone now. Any last-minute advice, Doc? For now, Dr. Finney said, avoid bulky food for Misty. Nothing rich or hard to digest. How about ground oats and bran and linseed? Paul asked hopefully. Couldn't be better, and no need to remind you children that daily mucking out is a must. Grandpa nodded vigorously, and I told you so, Twinkle, in his eye. Right now, their stall is the cleanest in the whole wide world, Maureen said proudly. With quiet confidence, she and Paul tied Misty's blanket in place for the trip back. Grandpa took the soft baby blanket and laid it on the little one. Then he crouched down and lifted her up in his arms and carried her out with Paul leading Misty alongside. As she approached the truck, Misty planted her feet and balked. Plain as day, she bellowed, I'm not getting into that thing without my baby. But when she found out that her foal was safely stowed in the cab in front, She hurried up the ramp, poked her head through the window, and nickered in relief. Dr. Finney started to wave goodbye, then had a last-minute request. Mind driving by David's window, he asked. I had to put him to bed this morning with a case of old-fashioned measles. Poor lad hasn't seen the colt. He's heartbroken. Paul felt a prick of shame. I'm sorry, Dr. Finney, I didn't even miss him. He reached into a pocket and pulled out a tiny wooden gull. I made it to sell to the tourist folk, he explained, but I want to give it to David instead, and someday, he added, warming to his own generosity, I might make a carving of Misty and her foal just for him. Grandpa drove home very carefully, avoiding ruts and bumps. He didn't want to jar the little filly who lay asleep across Paul's and Maureen's laps, her soft woolen blanket rising and falling with her breathing. Going over the causeway, they slowed to a crawl. One driver spotted Misty and put on the brakes so suddenly that his two children almost flew through the windshield. There she is, he shouted. Hey, Mr. Wait. Grandpa came to a stop, grinning. He felt good toward the whole world. Want a picture? He asked. Do we? And now other cars were stopping and out popped dozens of children and dozens of cameras. Traffic stalled while shutters clicked on all sides. After a few moments, Misty began stomping and whinnying. There was a curious urging in her mind, a tremendous pull for home. Let's go, Paul said. Misty's getting nervous. Grandpa stopped the picture-taking and drove on, and at long last they were going down Beebe Road into Pony Ranch. Once the tailgate was lowered, Misty slow-footed down the ramp like a queen returning to her kingdom. Skipper, the official greeter, welcomed her in ten-foot bounds, jumping, rolling, yelping in pure joy. And out on the marsh, Wings added his voice in a great cry of triumph. Grandma rushed out of the house, calling, Where's Misty's baby? Where? For answer, Paul and Grandpa lifted her out of the truck and carefully set her down beside her mother. She tried a little caper, lost her balance, and fell in a heap. Bravely, she scrabbled up again, then staggered to her mother and began drinking thirstily. Satisfied, she blew bubbles, sending little beads of milk running down her whiskers. Misty wickered in contentment. Home at last, she seemed to say, and she gave the little rump at her side a nip, ever so gentle and motherly. End of chapter 20